Hey, welcome to another episode of Super FX, the show where it's RF or bust, baby. I'm Matt. <laughs> and I'm Tyler. Uh, this is episode number seven. Um, how you been, buddy? I've been good. I, I, I can't good. complain. Uh, I, 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 I got Especially since you just, uh, sorry, I was just going to say since you whooped me in uh, Mario Golf this past week. Uh, I did. That said, granted, I had played, I think, a lot of it uh, more than or before you had. I think yeah, it was my first together, time. Playing. It was your first time, yeah. So, uh, you know, I had a little bit of practice. <laughs> um, but what can I say? Yeah. You know, uh, I my my hockey team uh, goes out in uh, the beginning of the playoffs every year, and so they they go golfing. Uh, meaning me as a hockey fan, uh, I'm also skilled at golf. I don't know where I'm going. He was stunting on me with birdie after birdie. That's where you were going with that. Uh, I was, yeah, yeah. But then you did beat me a die at some Doctor Mario, so that's true. I'm glad you're willing to admit that. <laughs> uh, so I was at work today. Uh, I got a uh, text from Lauren saying, "Hey, another bird hit the glass of the backyard and it died." <laughs> oh no! Stunting on me with a third birdie. I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I came home from work and I had to look forward to that cleaning up the dead bird. It was huge. It was a big bird too. I don't know anything about birds, but it was a big bird. You don't know like what species of bird? Oh, it was brown. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it actually does help. It narrows it down quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that that kind of sucked. Um, but I also uh, I also picked up. We have. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, Matt and I are both pretty big Mountain Dew fans. I think as you kind of have to be as uh, maybe video game people. I don't know. Do video game fans all like Mountain Dew? It kind of seems like it. I've, I've liked Mountain Dew uh, for a very long time, since before I realized that there was any connection at all. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, so we got two new flavors of uh, Baja Blast. Um, I think they're Canada only, but I'm not sure. Of one of them. <laughs> uh, wait, hold on. One of the. Oh, hold on. Wait. They're called uh, Baja Blast. Uh, Baja Punch and Baja okay. Flash. I uh, imagine you've tried them both already. Well, I just tried the punch, and it's just like fruit punch. I don't know. It was just okay. okay. Uh, I did pick up the Baja Flash, uh, and that one's Pina Colada, which is pineapple and coconut. Uh, I don't know if I'm really looking forward to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking it up on the Mountain Dew fandom page. Uh, it does say that it is part of a promotion called 100 Days of Baja. <laughs> oh, I'm in. <laughs> uh, I don't Please know, let that be here. I don't know Please what day of Baja we are currently in. <laughs> Uh, it, it one looks, of them, I guess. It looks like maybe this was a, a, a U.S.-only promotion, and somehow the the flavors came to Canada as part of a separate promotion. I just stopped into like the little the gas station mart today to grab a soda. Gas station mart. I, I don't know what you would call it. A it's convenience, not a convenience store? store. Well, but like it's attached to a gas station, so I don't know if you would call it that. Yeah, of course. When I think you of would. convenience store, I think of like. 7-Eleven or like a Quick Check or so? Oh, I guess there is gas at Quick Check, huh? Uh, I don't know. We don't have that here. But every Sev's that I know of here <laughs> is attached to a gas station. I can't think of a single standalone 7-Eleven. I can only think of one 7-Eleven that I know of here that has a gas station attached to it. The rest of them are all just separate stations. Like separate um, stores, I mean. Right. But okay, I, I went to the <laughs> gas station convenience store. Uh-huh. I guess you would call it that. Um, and because it wasn't a Sev's. It was like a Gulf. And um, 
I, I went to get a Mountain Dew. I got a Voltage, but they didn't have any other flavors that I saw that were out of the ordinary. And I know that for some reason here in the States, whenever there's like a new flavor of Mountain Dew, you can only ever find it in certain stores. And I don't even think it's because there's usually a promotion going on with those stores. It's just that those stores are the only ones who will agree to carry it. It's just inconsistent. Yeah. Weird. Huh. Like yeah. when, I, when I found uh, Frostbite recently at Walmart, because I never shop at Walmart because it's the garbage of target <laughs> as we've discussed previously <laughs> yeah um but they had frostbite there which apparently that one is walmart exclusive but i never would have known i never shopped there so now i have to start going to walmart to get frostbite because it was amazing <laughs> uh, we we don't have a ton of the, the you know extended flavors here we get code red we get voltage uh, regular and then Baja Blast was really prominent for a while, and lately it's kind of been harder to find, so I'm kind of concerned about that, because Baja yeah, Blast I, is my favorite. I saw one today. I saw a Baja Blast today. I, I think that um, it's usually around <laughs> summer. I like we how we're like, seeing like, bottles of it. Fucking like, oh, I, I, I saw one this today. Today I saw one Baja <laughs> In the wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, like, we're changing our podcast to the Baja Blast cast. Like, it's like some fucking, like... Uh, like animal wildlife show like oh i spotted a baja in the wild today and then and then it crashed into my window and died on my deck dude i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah we don't have that many extra flavors here the ones that we do have they only ever like stay around for a very short amount of time um i'm glad that major melon is still around because i really like that flavor (laughs) but i wish they would bring back um whiteout which was my favorite flavor that they ever came out with is that is that like a cherry no, it's like a um, it, it's like Sprite mixed with regular Mountain Dew was the way that I used to describe it. Interesting. So like, I don't know if I've way ever seen that one citrusy. Here. Yeah, it's really good. Hopefully, at some point, I'll get the chance to try it again if they ever decide to bring it back. And hopefully, you will too, because I love that flavor. But um, my second favorite's Voltage, and thank God they're never getting rid of that. It looks like so. Yeah, yeah, we, that one is a, is a mainstay here for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really glad. Hey, video games. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Our podcast isn't about Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, what have you been playing? Um, well, Tyler, uh, I'll have you know that I finally uh, graduated from playing Pokemon, and I've started to play Pokemon. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. Um, I finished everything that I needed to do in Fire Red, um, except for Evolutions and Trades, but those are going to come at the very end. So I, I don't know if I mentioned in the last episode... But uh, I just started up Leaf Green, and I am very close to the end of the story, and then pretty much from there it's just going to be clean up, and then move, finally moving on to the actual proper Gen 3 games. Um, okay, alright. So we've only got so. maybe about like seven or eight more years of listening to you talk about Pokemon? <laughs> Actually, with the speed that I've been doing it recently, because I, I got a second wind, and I feel like that happens every time I do this. It oh, brilliant. Gen 1 and Gen 2. Um, so now I'm just like speeding through Leaf Green, and by the time I get to Ruby, I feel like I'm going to be done before Metroid Dread comes out because I really want to be able to play that. Yeah, uh, that's what that's October, right? Yeah. 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 You can you can you know if you're really chugging, you might be able to get there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Each each game is only like about maybe 26 to 36 hours. Mm-hmm. I think the Gen 3 games might be like 40 or so. But, like, the proper Gen 3 games. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm working from home doing my language lessons, and I go out to lessons occasionally. So I have a lot of free time on my hands, because I don't do a lot of driving anymore. 
So, you know, I'm playing Pokemon a lot. I can play Pokemon <laughs> for quite a number of hours, even on a work day. So I can, I think I can get it done by October. That's good. Well, I'm glad. I hope I'm so. Ha- I'm, ha- I'm happy yeah. to hear. Uh, and then I'm happy to not have to hear you talk about Pokemon anymore. Yeah, right. Me too. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I hopped into Crypt of the Necrodancer. Uh, I picked it up Ooh. from Limited Run, I, th- I think. Maybe not Limited Run. Maybe oh, you got the physical copy? Yeah. I, it's, like, it's like a special edition, so you know, it came with a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, um, hell yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, they have the DLC on cartridge, which is nice. So, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I've been diving into that. It's... Uh, it's if, so. If you're not familiar with a crypt of the Necro Dancer, um, it's kind of a pixel art roguelike. Um, uh, I'm playing on Switch. It originally came out on PC, and then I, you know, I think it's come to pretty much everything. Uh, yeah. Since then, um, and the kind of me- uh, main mechanic of the game is you're 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 not confined to moving to the beat of the music, but you are extremely encouraged to. Um, in that the, the you know it's got some real like kind of thumping uh not necessarily chip tune but a little bit more like bit pop metal kind of uh kind of vibe going on the soundtrack's done by Danny Baranowski uh i believe who also did uh Cannibalt which is one of my favorite mobile games of all time oh hell um, yeah and uh the binding of isaac and super meat boy um, mm-hmm. So a lot of like you know indie classics like indie darlings have been composed by him, uh, and the music's great. But uh, the mechanic of the game is basically you're moving to the beat of the music, and all of the enemies that you're playing uh, that you're fighting against are also kind of moving to the beat of the music. You know you move in four directions, and you kind of learn uh, as you progress along. You learn the patterns of the enemies. Uh, so for instance, there's um, kind of these like. Uh, blob monsters who will uh, up, bounce up and down but not left or right and they'll bounce in mm-hmm. a certain pattern to, to the beat and so as you play more and more you kind of learn and pick up on each way that these uh, these monsters are moving um, yeah. and then the, you know there's there's dragons and golems and things like that uh, that you'll fight and uh, it what's really interesting is because of the way that it's all based in the rhythm is that the, the game really has this interesting flow to it um, that I feel like I haven't really experienced before. It's as I was playing it, Lauren could hear me play, like pressing the buttons, and, and she heard the music, and so the, my button presses were all timed with the music. And so she right. was like, "Are you playing a rhythm game? Is that a rhythm game?" And I'm like, "Well, I, I mean, you uh, kind of could call it a rhythm game." Yeah, that's, and that's what I said. I was kind of like, "Well, no, but kind of, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so it, it is like it's a rhythm game in a way, um, but it, it's got this really fun and just addicting flow to it because of it is that you're really just like bobbing your head and really kind of getting into it. And it really is just very engaging because of it. Um, in terms of the actual kind of the, the depth of the game, it's a roguelike. I'm not exactly huge on roguelikes. Um, there's, it, it's very much the traditional. And I mean, I guess this was one of the, you know, when roguelikes were really starting to pop off, this was one of the earlier ones. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much pop of, off a second time you mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how much this could be uh, a fault for the game, but it, it's just very much the roguelike of roguelikes in the way where um, you know it's a little bit grindy. You have to unlock all the kind of good stuff to to really make make a a good run. Uh, oh yeah, you kind of are expected to have some of the good items. 
Um, some of the items are not so good, and they, they do have a mechanic where uh, you can uh, kind of choose which items that you want to be included uh, in your drops um, for each run. Uh, so mm -hmm. if there's one item that you never pick up, you can choose to disclude it from the, the random drops. Um, which is kind of nice to have that option. Um, it's also nice that they have like kind of a, um, a section in the in the lobby they call it where you can go and select certain uh, monsters to practice against. Uh, it, when you're actually playing in the game, it can be really overwhelming because oftentimes there'll be you know four or five different uh, monsters on screen, and there'll be a new one or a, maybe a mini boss that you haven't tried before, or you haven't don't have a ton of experience against, and so that right. thing will just like destroy you immediately. So you can go into the lobby and, oh. and, and practice <laughs> against one of these monsters just like one on one to kind of learn its movement pattern. Um, yeah. And then once you you know actually in the game, in theory, you'll have the experience more under your belt and be able to beat it easier. Um, that reminds me. Um, have you have you played Mother Three? Uh, no, I haven't played Mother Three. No, no. I mean, how do you know about its battle system? How its battle system works? Uh, very vaguely. Um, I remember when the uh, the uh, translation came out. I think uh, yeah. I tried to play it for a minute, and then I was like, eh, maybe I should play you know the other ones first. Okay. Well, and I guess this will be news to you too. Um, like Mother Three's battle system, it's exactly the same as Mother One and Mother Two, but it it also implements um, a rhythm system. Where if you just attack the enemy with your standard attack, if you press the A button to the rhythm of the music and each song, each battle track has a different rhythm, um, you'll do combo damage. Mm -hmm. And um, there is a section like in the menu where if you want to get down an enemy's like beat, they call it the heartbeat of the enemy in the game, you can just practice in a, in a practice battle against that enemy to get its heartbeat down so you can smack it with the correct rhythm. And some of these rhythms are, like, really fucking fun, too. Most of them are just the standard, like, one, two, three, four, one, two. But um, there's one song in particular that has the rhythm of, like, the uh, the clapping at a baseball game. It's like, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, oh, four, sure. one, two. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. So, yeah. Like, that's, I, it reminds me a lot of that. It, it sounds very similar. I, the By default, at its base, your rhythm doesn't have much of an effect as an as effect on battle. Um it's still necessary because the enemies move in the rhythm, and so if you're not, uh, you're probably going to get clowned. But yeah, it, the the main <laughs> clowned. The, wow, I've never heard that before. <laughs> the main kind of mechanic is as long as you're moving to the beat of the music, you get coin multipliers. Yeah. So if when you beat an enemy, uh, you'll drop more coins as long as you have kind of a streak going. Uh, so That's it's a little what bit more by like incentivized. Yeah, but that, yeah. that that said, there are some items that will incentivize you, like give you double damage if you are have been moving to the rhythm for a longer period of time. Right. Um, yeah, so I've been having a lot of fun with it. I think it is one of those games that really lends itself to Switch. Uh, I think, you know, maybe I've said that before, but there's a lot of uh, just kind of these indie games and a lot of kind of smaller titles that are a little bit easier to just play short bursts of. Uh, and yeah. uh, this is definitely one of those where it's really easy to pick up, play for 10 minutes, and then put down. Uh, I find myself just playing just a lot more on my Switch lately. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like, you know, maybe a year or two ago, I would have sat down and just played this at my PC. But um, I don't know. I just find myself like I'd rather spend the extra to get a game on Switch and just have that option to be able to play it portably, um, which, which I, I had never really seen myself do before. So. Yeah, um, I, and you know, speaking of uh, 
playing your PC games portably, uh, perhaps <laughs> we should jump to the news. Yeah, um, so guys, for gamer news with a Z or a Z this time around, or it legally doesn't count, um, I'm sure a lot of you have probably already heard, but if you haven't, strap in. Um, because Valve is um, going to make a consoleized version of Steam called the Steam Deck, which is actually set to be released this holiday, this coming holiday. And um, I don't even really know how to feel about it. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, it's it's basically a Nintendo Switch. Um, it, but yeah, but it's like, but it's not. It's so weird. It, it's very strange. Uh, I, I I see. I I think. You know, I I was speaking just now about wanting like not buying my PC games on Steam because I'd rather buy them on Switch so I could play them portably, and I think yeah. this is their response to that. Um, yeah. I think you know they saw that that was happening. They saw that folks would rather buy a game like this because then they have the option of playing it at home on their TV or taking it on the go. And I know with you know obviously with Steam you can do that with a laptop or something like that. But just having an actual console with actual you know buttons and that's not you know a laptop, uh, I think there's something to be said for that. So I I yeah. think that's the market that they're going after here. I think they saw the you know the success of the Switch. Um, and they want, you know, their piece of the pie. Um, I think the console itself is not very good looking. Uh, I think it's yeah. an ugly, ugly thing. <laughs> it, yeah, it looks very ugly. But I, it's... I, how do you consoleize the PC without, like, all these sacrifices in the design, you know? Because it has to have a traditional controller layout, but it also has to have, like, a mouse pad on it. Well, not necessarily. It's got... So it's got little touch touch pads that's basically what i mean like it has like what is essentially a, a smaller laptop touchpad yeah and to, to my understanding you can if you wanted to connect a you know bluetooth mouse bluetooth keyboard uh and yeah i assume prop it up or put it on a dock or something and uh, to be able to use it that way i don't suspect that many people will want to use it that way um i, I just, kind of defeats the purpose yeah so, so the the issue kind of for me here is that with the switch if I'm a developer and I'm making a game that I know is going to be on Switch, I'm absolutely considering the console. The portability I'm, of it? Not necessarily portability, but just the the way that people are going to play these games. And But what I mean by that is Nintendo will basically say, like, all right, we have three modes. We have handheld mode, we have tabletop mode, and we have docked mode, and you have to... Uh, specify which modes your system or your game is going to be playable in. And ideally, we'd mm -hmm. like it if you had it in all three modes. Uh, and so as a developer, you're going to make your game and you're going to consider all three of those modes as you're making your game. And you're going to consider the, the specific controller, right, that it's going to be used with. Uh, and and mm -hmm. you, you, you take all those considerations into the design of your game because you're making it specifically for Switch. With the Steam Deck, uh, I think a big part of the issue here is that, you know, if I'm you know Bethesda or whoever and I'm making Doom Eternal uh, that's a game that arguably maybe was de designed for keyboard and mouse but also it's got to be playable on a wide array of controllers and also now it's going to be playable on Steam Deck and so you have yeah. this experience that suddenly becomes really fragmented and as a developer it's kind of hard to design gameplay around such a myriad of control options right and such a myriad of you know screen options and just ways that people are going to be playing these games so 
I, I think they're really at a disadvantage because of that. There's going to be some games that you can buy on Steam that probably aren't going to be playable on this thing, period, for a variety of reasons, right? Maybe they don't yeah. have controller support, right? Maybe they require a keyboard and mouse for whatever reason, right? And One I, thing I, that... Um, sorry to interrupt you, but it's, no, no, it's, it's kind of pertinent to this argument, actually. I think that there is something to be said about the, um, the longevity of a handheld, like, PC uh, machine. And everyone knows that it's, it's going to be difficult to get certain games that are meant for PC to run on this thing. Um, but, like, Valve seems to be on top of it, because I saw, uh, reported by, I think it was Kotaku, um, Valve's R&D is working night and day to individually test the entire Steam library to make sure that the games can run on the, on the uh, Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, that sounds great, but... All that really says is, all it says is they can run on it. It doesn't yeah. mean they're going to be playable slash play well. Yeah, like, do you need a keyboard and mouse attached to play this specific yeah. weird? Yeah, all niche it says title. is that they're going to run on it, and yeah. I mean that's a great start, but it doesn't answer the the real question that you seem to have. And I have the same question too: is is every game going to be playable the way that? you kind of imagine that it should be if because if i imagine a handheld console like the steam deck the way that i imagine myself playing it in nearly a hundred percent of scenarios is always going to be in my hands mm-hmm. so is every game going to be playable in that way and i feel like the answer has to be no there are just some games that it's impossible yeah yeah it'll be inter- interesting to see kind of how it goes um the other weird thing to me i mean Maybe not weird. It the thing runs Windows. It's at its core, it yeah. is Windows. They said that it's and just they, a Windows machine. Yeah, and they said they said that you can you can hop out of the kind of Steam uh, overlay thing that they boots it boots into, and you can just kind of go into Windows and you know run Windows, um, which is great. Like that's a great thing that you you know for that to for you to be able to do that. Wonderful. Um, and you know, suddenly that there's, it opens the options of, you know, running emulators and doing this and that, and not having to be kind of stuck in the steam, uh, library, you know, if there's games potentially on like an Xbox game pass or something like that, that you wanted Mm -hmm. to play that run on PC already in theory, it sounds like you should, you should be able to do that. Um, my kind of problem with this is by having that option, it really, I think alienates a lot of people. And, and the reason I say this is because something like uh, the switch it it's something that it's it's a product that they streamline and they streamline it on purpose and i think a lot of folks yeah really kind of harp on nintendo for uh not including certain features in the switch that they'd like to see um you know examples being maybe streaming services or maybe like more customization things like that um but i yeah. think they they forget that nintendo is really focused on a to some extent, they're really focused accessibility. on accessibility, accessibility, and a casual audience, right? Yeah. They they want folks to be able to walk into Walmart, pick up a, a Switch, pick up Mario Kart, take it home, put it in, and play it. Right? That's yeah. what they're they're looking to do. When your when your console is Windows based at its core and it's running the Steam skin overlay, uh, it really is. I think a certain type of audience, a certain type of person, a certain type of gamer that they're looking for here, that they're marketing yeah. towards. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, I guess. I think they are just, it's really alienating a certain group of people. Um, for instance, I would not in a thousand years convince 
my mom or grandma or, you know, maybe a, a friend who's not super into gaming. I would not in any realm tell them to get a Steam Deck, right? But yeah. I, I wouldn't think twice about, you know, telling them that maybe they should look at getting a Switch. Uh, yeah, it's just, I see what you mean. It's they're, they're different experiences for different people. And I think if, if, if Valve wants to see some mainstream success... I, I don't know if this is the way to do it. And and granted, I don't know if that's what they're going for here, right? I, I don't know if uh, they're looking to, to capture, you know, take over the, the handheld console market. I don't think that's what they're after. Um, <laughs> Even if they were, I, <laughs> they couldn't. Yeah, I, I don't think that's what they're after here. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think it's a very specific portion of the kind of gaming community, the market that this appeals yeah. to. And I, I think it does kind of leave uh, maybe the extended community, uh, you know, it's, it's alienating in a way. Yeah, I actually had this conversation slightly earlier with Jackie. Um, I'm talking like less than an hour ago before we hopped on to do this show. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that I was a little bit confused on is um, anytime like some sort of product comes out, I'm always curious, you know, sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's really not, but I, I, I have to ask the same question here is like, who is this for? And some people might be like really quick to shut me up and be like, uh, isn't it kind of obvious who it's for? It's a handheld version of PC games. It's for everybody. But I'm going to stop you right there, person who's quick to stop me, because what about all of the people who are incredibly elitist about playing PC and they have like these thousands of dollars machines that they that they spent money to build? The PC master race. Yeah, they're not going to buy this because A, it's going to cost them more money to play games they can already play at home. Um, and B, you, they obviously, and I agree with them, they're going to get the better experience playing on their thousands of dollars machines that they built or maybe bought. Um, do you think Do you think that this is, I mean, the, the value proposition here is, you know, those, you know, I, I like to think that Valve knows that those people are going to play on those consoles or on those machines, but they want this handheld console to be able to take those games on the go. Possibly. But, like, that also brings up another, like, part of my confusion, too, is because if you go to the other end of the spectrum, you have people who are primarily console gamers, but in my experience, people who say that they're console gamers, it doesn't mean that they don't play games on computer, because it's super accessible to play games on PC or Mac. You just you just kind of do. It just happens because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're all over the place. It, it's not like um, buying a console where you have to invest money in the uh, hardware before you can even hope to play the software. Most families already have a family PC, and then the kids are just using them, or teens, adolescents, whoever, even adults. Um, it's much more accessible to be gaming on PC. So even people who are straight up, I'm mostly a console gamer. That's the key word, mostly. No one ever really says, I'm only a console gamer, because they kind of don't exist. And then there's the limbo land in the middle, people like, I think, maybe you and me, who play a pretty good mishmash, 50-50, of console and PC, depending on the scenario. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it's necessarily for us either, because since we're playing about 50-50... We don't really feel like we're going to need to own an entire new set of, of hardware to play games that we already have access to and already have the comfort of playing around 50% of the time from our homes. Kind of the same deal as the PC Master Race. It just mm-hmm. doesn't seem like it's a product that is worth anyone's time. 
And I think that it's a really cool idea, which kind of sucks because on paper it seems like it would be amazing. But when you kind of give it out to all of the demographics, <clears throat> excuse me, all the demographics of people who play PC games, in my mind at least, there doesn't seem to be any one specific demographic that this machine caters to. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I think, you know, I, it, it, it sounds like based on the pre-order excitement, uh, it, it sounds like that, you know, the store went down and they, they sold out or, or whatever, right? So it sounds yeah. like there is some some interest. Um, I'm certainly, you know, not going to pick one up. I don't, I, don't, I don't really personally see a reason because I also I think uh, someday Switch. for me at least, but not right away. I don't have yeah. any reason to pick it up right away. And especially since it's going to be difficult to find with the state of how things are right now with scalpers. So, yeah, I, I well, you know, there's there's a huge chip shortage right now. And that's kind of yeah. uh, compounding across industries, um, autos, cars, uh, graphics cards, computers, tablets cell phones everything is really uh kind of at a shortage right now uh you know kind of w for combined issues but uh I, I thought it was very ambitious for them to come out and say hey it's july we've announced this product pre-order start now and we're shipping it in six months less than six months yeah. uh, i was very surprised uh yeah that forward me um so we'll, we'll see kind of what what they make for uh shipment deadlines and, and that kind of thing i wouldn't be surprised to hear that there's a lot of delays uh, but it sounds like this had been in the works uh for quite some time i'm surprised that it, you know it was under wraps for so long if it's this far yeah. along and you know they're shipping in just, just a few months so uh, i mean do you remember like years ago hearing rumors about the steam machine do you remember mm, that yeah i wonder if that project kind of became this morphed into and then this and then we heard talk about the steam box yeah and like apparently those never came to fruition. I remember there was a Steam controller, but all that is is just a controller yeah, they, with a touchpad on it. They, they did have PC. Steam boxes did come out. They they kind of were a partnership with uh, some different like uh, PC manufacturers. So it wasn't <laughs> exactly Steam's hardware, like or Valve's own hardware that they made. They were involved and such, you know. But uh, you know, with their VR headset and stuff, now they've really kind of jumped into the hardware uh, realm. Yeah. And hey, you know, good on them. I mean, I think it's only natural progression for a software company to try to dip its toe in the hardware. Yeah, um, absolutely. Scene. Yeah, I mean, you know, it makes, I, I've absolutely, as as much as I feel like we both are kind of saying like, you know, who's this for? Uh, I, I'm glad that it exists. You know, I think. Yeah, well, thing... you you and I are, you know, we're, we're collectors. So we see the value in things that are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would now, not to say that this say is stupid. Well, but... yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think that necessarily this is stupid, but I'm just saying like on an extreme end, we may not necessarily be the audience that this is catered to. And we may not even understand who it's for in general, but I'm still happy to see it come out. It's a cool piece of technology, and it's something that I would never have imagined uh, would ever come out. Even just 10 years ago, if you told me that I could play PC games on a handheld device, like literal PC games, I'm not, not Android-run PC games. Yeah, that's certainly... Yeah, certainly, I, I think it'll be really interesting to kind of see... Uh, see what happens um yeah i do think uh yeah, we got to move on though i do want to talk about the uh the blizzard uh, the activision blizzard stuff um yeah that kind of came out this week uh activision blizzard uh the state of california announced uh that they, well i guess they're alleging that um there has mm -hmm. been some extremely uh discriminatory uh practices and findings uh, over the course of a two-year investigation it sounds like um 
that there's been, you know, rampant uh, sexual harassment um, issues uh, at, at the organization. Um, I hate to hear this kind of thing, but I also yeah. hate to say that, you know, it's not surprising um, in any way. You hear this kind of horror story kind of through the grapevine, you know, on Twitter and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and for it to come out after a two-year investigation from the state, um, I think certainly gives some credibility to the claims. Nothing is obviously proven at this point, but, um, you know, it sounds like there's been just really some really, really horrible uh, uh, sexual harassment um, uh, issues uh, from the top down uh, at the organization um, to which, like, even some reports are, you know, saying that uh, it led to a female uh, employee's suicide at some point. So, Obviously, this is some tragic, horrible uh, findings that this investigation uh, is is alleging, and uh, I I just you know having a lot of friends uh, in the industry and a lot of uh, honestly a lot of female friends in the industry. Um, like I said, I hate to say that I'm not surprised to hear this kind of thing. I am yeah. surprised to hear kind of the severity of it. Um, it's by by some of the, the the accounts, it's just some really you know obviously disgusting and and uh just terrible things to to have happening um it, it sounds like uh the their uh it is my understanding of the the kind of the california's justice system is uh pretty weak uh admittedly but it sounds like there are civil cases um which will likely result in some fines and potentially arrests at some point in time um, yeah obviously still ongoing uh, last I heard, the uh, president of the company said, you know, obviously they're, they're taking it very seriously and they're going to do their due diligence to investigate. But based on the reports, these uh, kind of findings are so high up and it sounds like so deeply ingrained uh, in kind of the culture of the company that, uh, you know, it, it's an internal investigation is likely not what's needed at this point. And it sounds like the state of California has kind of recognized that and is taking matters into their own hands. Uh, pretty devastating, I gotta say. Considering, yeah. you know, Blizzard uh, Blizzard Activision is obviously, you know, a huge player in, in the gaming landscape, um, especially with uh, the scale of Overwatch and the Overwatch League. You know, there is uh, a lot of big, big sports corporations and... Uh, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, millionaires, billionaires who are buying Overwatch League teams and getting into that sport and really investing mm -hmm. a lot of money in, into the into that sport. Um, and, you know, esports in general, but, uh, you know, to have all this kind of allegation come out and just, you know, the publicity that uh, Overwatch and, you know, World of Warcraft, like all the all of Blizzard's properties get, they're oh, really, yeah. really big name in this industry. And uh, to have these allegations come out, it's... Uh, you know, going to have ramifications, I think, that we're going to uh, still be kind of feeling for, for years to come after this. Um, yeah, I, it's, I, it's such a shame that, like, something like this is, in 2021, is still happening. Like, there, I'll be the first to say, and I don't think I even have to say this, but for the record, you know, like, there is no place in video games, in any hobby of any kind, for sexual harassment or sexism. And the fact that we're still seeing this in such places as high up as Activision Blizzard is terrifying. And it's disgusting. But it's not anomalous. It happens too often. Yeah. Yeah, I... 
I the, obviously the gaming industry has you know we we saw a number of years ago with the the you know the GamerGate. Uh, yeah, of course. The, the 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 gaming industry as a whole is obviously kind of under a magnifying glass at the moment um, for this kind of harassment and uh, abuse and it doesn't help i like to think you know as as time passes by that things are getting better uh and you know we've moved on from the gamergate thing uh, obviously that's not the case there's always going to be you know the the outliers and and the and the bullies and and, and the the trolls right um yeah. and i you know i like to think that we're getting better and we're moving on from that and then you know this kind of thing comes out and this you know obviously this is not a group of internet trolls who are you know doxing and who are just like uttering threats online right this is actual physical violence that is happening uh, yeah within a workplace right um and not, so, not just happening but has also been allowed to continue to happen yeah i mean the investigation began you said it was like two years ago and in that time despite the investigation having been ongoing how many more people were sexually harassed yeah it, it's, know, it's, it, it's something that we'll be hearing about for for years uh, to come yeah. it's something that you know hopefully they'll be able to uh to kind of you know give you know f find i don't want to say the root cause because i feel like something like this at, at the end of the day it's so deep rooted it sounds well, it's like deeply in ingrained culture, in, in society basically yeah it's, it's kind of hard to put into words exactly you know how you or i feel about this sort of thing because it's such a very big issue yeah it's 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 yeah. tough to talk about it's tough to hear um and but it's important and you know if we don't have discussions like this then things like this continue yeah so absolutely. you know it's important that this came to light and it's incredibly important that it's getting mainstream media coverage uh because this really needs to be dealt with yeah yeah the the like i said the the, the games industry as a whole you know it's had a bad rap and this kind of thing yeah. doesn't help and it, this it goes so much deeper than you know the the reputation of the games industry right like obviously there's something i care about but the, you know that's not what's important here what's important yeah no of course at the end of the day these are people who happen to work absolutely the the livelihood of these of these you know these women are obviously you know so much more important than than all of that so th there's just there's nothing good about this <laughs> obviously it's yeah. something that like I said, we'll be hearing about for years to come, um, and obviously, I think for, from both of us, we you know we're wishing the best for everybody affected, um, and uh, hopefully justice can you know be served, uh, and you, there's something that you know good can come of this in the future. I hope, but yes, uh, I hope so too, and I I really do believe so. I tend to be an optimist um, about a lot of things in my life, and and some people might say like why <laughs> but um you know i i can i can see the real picture here and there but um i'm very hopeful and i'm optimistic that this will get figured out and dealt with and anybody who perpetrated sexual harassment against anybody else um in this case and hopefully in all cases um will be dealt with properly and swiftly um and my biggest hope is just that we can walk away from this better people and i'm not just talking about the games industry because like we already have enough of a bad rap that this sucks i like it doesn't make it any better yes but i'm more concerned about like you said the livelihoods of these people and um it's difficult to have this conversation not just as a person but also as a gamer because 
this is something that happens so often in the gaming world it it kind of sucks and you know i am proud to be a gamer but not for these reasons these are the kind of things that make me you know do i wish that i had a different hobby no of course not but do i wish that my hobby were better and more mature and easier for for women especially to get into absolutely i want more um acceptance among you know uh different genders i want there to be like equal understanding no harassment and i guess at the end of the day i just want everyone to be kind to each other because gaming is something that we can enjoy together and should enjoy together without having to bring any sort of like sexually charged content into um the workplace especially (sighs) yeah (laughs) yeah i think i think you said it yeah 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 like yeah that's that's about it um like with that being said you know super fx will always support the livelihood of of people working in the games industry and especially if you've been sexually harassed we support um anything that you have to say and you know we love you we hope that you're doing okay and we hope that this gets dealt with yeah amen yeah but um that's pretty much all the gamer news i think for last couple of weeks this this was the thing that took like the biggest spotlight other than the steam deck yeah um, there hasn't and really I, I, been a whole lot else no i i definitely wanted to like make sure that we you know had had the time to chat about that um i think it's really important that you know obviously you know our listener base is not that of ign's listener base but it's, it's something that i think no, is really important not. for us to talk about. wait see we don't have that much water <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a Pokemon joke, a Gen Three Pokemon joke, nonetheless. I just can't get away from it. But I don't uh, think you have over. Well, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I have a gaming milestone to discuss with you. All right, let's um, hear it. So I've been collecting for the better part of thirteen years, or mm-hmm. should I say, all of thirteen years. Um, and in all thirteen of those years, I never, until today, finished. The black box collection for nes that is wow. all 30 black box titles mm. um and for the uninitiated um to be a black box title on the nes you just have to be a black label game with a specific font that has like a little picture on the bottom denoting what kind of genre you're in that nintendo release they're basically for all intents and purposes they were nintendo's first party titles for a couple of years they all had the same design and the same font and um it's been a small collecting goal of mine ever since i started but when you get lost in collecting you kind of don't realize what things you put to the wayside so even though it's been 13 whole years i'm only just finishing collecting 30 games now <laughs> i feel like it's one of those like collecting milestones that everybody kind of sets off that as a collector you kind of you're like oh yeah nes like got to get all the nes stuff and you're kind of like, yeah. okay, like what, what's the NES stuff I need? And you look at the NES library, and I'm like, yeah, that, that, and that, and that, and that, and that, and it's like all black box stuff. It's kind of like <laughs> the, the quintessential NES because library. Because that's the thing; they're all like staples of the library. Yeah. Because like you could talk about like your Mario three or your uh, Mega Man's and stuff, but most of the time, I think you're right. People will mention more than anything else the black box titles, mm-hmm. and um, like they're most of them are very inexpensive. I can really only think of two or three that even approach $100 and only one that or actually two I should say that exceed $100. So they're really easy to get. I guess just 
I've been a collector for so long and I collect for a lot of different platforms. So I guess it was just kind of natural for me to take this long to do it. Um, <laughs> so what was the final pickup? The final pickup was uh, one of the most common ones, of course, Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I uh, have been on the lookout for it for a while, and because it was the last one that I was uh, missing, I decided that I didn't want to get it on eBay. I wanted it to be a natural find. So I put my friend Max on alert, and my friend Jason, and my friend Chris, and Jackie. Oh, yeah, so natural. Know. Natural yeah. find. Well, well, the thing is, I didn't want them to, like, look for it online. If they happened to see it in the wild, or if it came into the store, they could be like, hey, Matt, it's here. This way you can come in and buy it, and there's a story attached to it, instead Matt, of just, I bought it here. on eBay for 50 bucks. But um, <laughs> it came into the store today, and Max called me immediately when he saw it, and I, he was like, Matt, 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 Donkey Kong came into the store. I was like, I'll... I'll be right there. <laughs> the man himself, he's here. Come say hi. He's, he's here, Don King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, have I told that story on the podcast? I, d I don't think I have. I've no. told you that story, right? Let's hear it, Don go. King Kong. Um, so when I was working at the store <laughs> <laughs> a couple of months ago, um, someone came in asking about um, Super Nintendo games, and they wanted like Mario World and Mortal Kombat, but they had like a very um, thick um, Hispanic accent. Mm -hmm. Which is fine. I could totally understand them, but the way that he said Donkey Kong, and I'm to this day, I'm still not a hundred percent sure he didn't totally say these exact words, but he absolutely sounded like he said he was looking for Don King Kong. Uh, did like, Did you think he meant like a King Kong game? I I mean, he obviously meant Donkey Kong, but I swear to God, because I speak Spanish, so I could understand if he meant to say Donkey Kong. But I swear, it sounded like he meant to say Don King Kong. Like, it was three words. <laughs> Maybe that's just what he wanted. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm sorry, come again? <laughs> come on, you know Don. I know Don. Don. Everyone knows Don. That's King Kong's real name. It's his legal. He was christened with that name. Uh, I, don't have any, uh, I don't have any pickups to, to report this week. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I, I literally got nothing. But I do have something on high alert. Um, and that's uh, the play date. You know about this? Uh, the no. Playdate is a uh, new uh, handheld console that's coming out by uh, Panic, who were a games publisher but are now getting into the hard hardware business with the Playdate. Um, it is a black and white handheld console uh, that's coming out, or the pre-orders start on Thursday. Um, it has a crank, um, and, and the crank is not to charge the battery. The crank is a input device. Uh, so a lot of the games that are going to be on it are uh, uh, controlled via uh, the crank, I suppose. Um, it's, yeah, I'm looking at this right now. I had they're they're really big on weird. indie devs. Uh, the way it's going to work is you get a season of games. So I believe it's like two games every week or every other week or something like that. Uh, that'll just automatically download to the device wirelessly and you'll just be able to hop on and play and they're kind of like intended to be short experiences um, but it looks super super cool and I think it's really awesome that there is uh, you know there's a company that is just trying something different you know uh, in this space being able to come out with hardware is no small feat in this day and age so being yeah. able to like release this piece of tech and it's got a crank and it's in black and white and it's going to have some interesting experiences on it uh, I think that's super, super cool. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what 
comes out of it. Um, you know, it might be a total flop, uh, but I, I, I really want to have one. It's, like, bright fucking yellow. It looks, like, yeah, cool, but, like, not good, you know? <laughs> it um, reminds me of, um, do you remember the Pokemon Pikachu, like, the little Tamagotchi Pikachu Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what it reminds me of, and the fact yeah, that it has totally. a crank on it makes me think it has like a tail, like a Pikachu tail. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's. <laughs> I can't cool. get away from Pokemon, but like that's no. literally what it reminds me of. I can't believe I never saw this thing. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. Yeah, so I think the pre-orders are on Thursday, uh, so I'm definitely gonna gonna order one. Um, they they even have like they're they're totally going all in on how like fucking quirky this thing is. One of the things you can <laughs> yeah. buy is a dock, and the dock is partially a pen holder, like it's got a slot for for a pen. Uh, and uh-huh. it comes with like a, a yellow pen to match the console, but it's like a charging dock. But like that's it; it's a charging dock, and like I think it has like a clock mode that it goes into, so it'll like sit in your desk and look cute. It's like a pen. So holder. like the pen is just a regular pen. Yeah, it's, it's not just a, a pen. Screen pen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a stylus. It's just no, a pen. I don't think it has a touchscreen. I think it's just buttons and crank input. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Cool. I I think it's super super that's cool so that weird. there's somebody doing weird stuff like this. Um, you know, it's it's like they could have just made a fucking iPad. You know, it's a touchscreen, and it, you know, like that. They could. There's nothing stopping them from doing that. But they're like, yeah, fuck mm-hmm. that. We're gonna make a new game console. And it's kind of like a Game Boy, but it has a crank. It's black and white, and you know, <laughs> pe- people. And they're like open sourcing the 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 uh, like development engine, so like you can like go on a web browser and like make games for it. Wow, this is gonna yeah. be interesting to see. Let me know if you uh, are able to place a pre-order for it. Yeah, it sounds like the demand might be actually like quite high uh, potentially. So I'm gonna try to get in right right when the pre-orders open. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny that this is the kind of shit that I'm buying and not like a Steam Deck, right? Like, <laughs> hey, you know that thing that can play like literally millions of PC games and emulate pro- probably any console like under the face of the. Yeah, whatever. You can play those on your actual PC. This sure. Thing. Now this thing's got a crank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, super excited for that. Uh, but yeah, no other yeah. pickups. Um, oh, but but um, I, pr- I promised uh, our listeners, and realistically, you, this story should have already been told, but you must <laughs> tell the Xbox story. Because I said last episode that we would say it first thing, and it slipped my mind. You have to tell this story. We have plenty of time left in the show. Hit it. <laughs> I guess uh, I guess I can... Yeah. Uh, tell the uh, the Xbox story, the famed Xbox story. It is summer. It is uh, yard sale, garage sale season, um, which is where this uh, this fable takes place. Um, this was probably uh, I want to say maybe three years ago, three four years ago at this point. Um, we you know we like to go out on Saturday mornings in the summer to hit up garage sales i think you call them yard sales in the u.s um there's actually a distinction technically in the u.s it's just if you're selling out of your garage it's a garage sale if you're not then it's a yard sale uh yeah i guess it's pretty interchangeable garage is pretty colloquial here but you know if Mm -hmm. you said yard sale people know what you mean yeah um so we uh, kind of drive around the city. There's a couple like you know older neighborhoods that we like to hit up because they'll typically have more interesting stuff. But uh, on the way back, we get on turn onto the street where the apartment that I was living in at the time was on, and we saw <clears throat> we saw a sign for a, a yard sale, a garage sale, and we were like, okay, sure, like last one right before we head home, we'll check it out. Um, 
And so we get there and, uh, you know, follow the signs. And might I say, I freaking hate when you're driving around and, and somebody's got a garage sale or yard sale sign. And it says, hey, yard sale. <laughs> and in tiny, tiny ass text, it says like the address. And you got to like oh, slam yeah. on your brakes while you're driving <laughs> to like get out your binoculars to see the tiny address. I know. I've seen then, some uh, signs where they where they just straight up write it in pen, like not yeah. even marker, where it's yeah. not like pen is like the thinnest thing you could have thought of to use to write your yard and sale sign. You know, sometimes they put an arrow and sometimes they don't. And it's like, hey, do you want me to come to your fucking garage sale <laughs> or not? Yeah, don't just give me the address. What am I going to like pop it into my G? Well, I would pop it into my GPS. But oh, I definitely. Think the average person would just be like, well, I don't know where that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm not going to go. I digress. Uh, yeah, this please. one, I, I remember it being decently marked. You know, there was potentially an arrow. Uh, so we, we, we go, we pull up. Uh, and it's an older lady, like maybe, you know, uh, middle-aged, uh, 50s, 60s kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she's like smoking a cigarette uh, on the on the driveway and her garage is open. Um, and uh, maybe there's a, a couple other people there perusing. Um, so we pulled up and uh it was me and lauren and a couple of our friends and we just start start kind of poking around um and uh lauren said oh hey like there's some xbox games and i'm like oh sweet but like let's flip through those and they're all like really like yellowed like from uh like cigarette smoke (laughs) i imagine um but they were all like 25 cents or something and i was like oh shit like i don't like i don't have most of these games so like i you Mm -hmm. know i grab a handful of them and uh you know i saw xbox games so i'm thinking okay there's got to be an xbox around here um and so lo and always behold, a good I fi- sign <laughs> I, I find the xbox but uh i didn't pick it up yet i noticed that there was also a little like psp case um and it was full of psp uh, uh just like loose psp umds um so no cases or anything but it was like the you know like a, a cartridge holder uh, it had maybe like eight things in it and it was like five bucks for the whole thing and i'm like sweet that sounds great so I pick those things up, uh, and then I go and inspect the Xbox, and uh, it's, like, pretty dirty, and it's just, like, kind of sticky. Like, definitely, like, they had been smoking in the house, like, yeah, you know, quite a lot. Um, but I figure, like, okay, I'll, like, I'll be able to clean it up, and there was, like, just masking tape on it that said, I think, $10, um, and it had, like, you know, it had the cables, it had a couple controllers. Um, it also had, like, the little remote adapter. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like plugged into one of the controller parts the remote wasn't there but they did have the little remote adrap- adapter or it might have been an adapter for like a mad cats wireless controller or something like that yeah um so i'm like sweet i don't have an original xbox so i'll take it um like 10 bucks is pretty darn cheap uh you know so I, i've got this like armful of stuff at this point and uh, lauren's poking around and i think she found a couple like plant pots or something she's big into plants so mm-hmm. um you know, so we kind of poke around a little bit, and uh, we go up to the lady, and and uh, she was very nice, and we kind of said, "Hey, would you take?" I think the, the 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 everything that we had in our arms was priced at total maybe twenty bucks, and I kind of said, probably you know, would you take fifteen? And she said, "Oh yeah, of course." Yeah. Um, and so, standard fare. Yeah. So I so I, I you know hand forked over the cash, and uh, she was wearing this denim jacket like a light wash denim jacket that had embroidery on it, like kind of like gems and, 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 you know, the stitching and stuff that was like very lovely. Um, and, uh, you know, all through the front of the jacket and Lauren kind of just said offhandedly said, Hey, I love, I love your jacket. Like I love the embroidery on it. 
Um, and she said, oh, like, thank you. Like, I did it myself. And Lauren said, oh, that's really nice. And she said, yeah. And the woman slowly stood up and uh, put out her cigarette and said, yeah, I, I didn't want um, to get a tattoo when my son died. So I did this instead. And she turned around and on the back of the denim jacket in huge embroidery, it said like, RIP Noah, 1994 to 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that moment, I, I looked down at the video games and the Xbox that I'm holding in my arms, and I realized that I just purchased a dead kid's Xbox. <laughs> I remember when you 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 messaged me that day, and you were like, "Matt, uh, you have to. Um, I have to tell you a story. Can you get on like Messenger? Like, can I call you?" And <laughs> you were like, <laughs> "You were like way more." Um, like high octane about it because it had just happened but i remember you totally caught me off guard because you began you began the conversation with i just bought a dead kid's xbox man <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what i would explain the set of circumstances <laughs> yeah um yeah they, there was definitely a lot of emotion going so but like what could i do i already paid i wasn't you already bought like, it oh <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, i was gonna ask for a refund uh so i you know said thank you have a good day you know like i'm sorry for your loss um yeah and we turned and you you went on our our way and uh the group of us got back into the car and i'm like i feel like i've seen a ghost never mind Uh potentially holding a ghost i don't know uh and i said like because only lauren and i were the ones who had heard you'd been involved in that conversation and the rest of our group i don't think heard the conversation and i kind of said to them right guys like this is a dead kid's xbox so i you know had to explain the story to them again and i'm like holding this thing in my arms as we drive home and uh just like feeling very strange about the whole thing and you know there's part of me that's like hey like it's i'm happy that this kid you know what i'm assuming you know what i i guess i can't say for sure that i know that what this the circumstances were the scenario was i'm assuming at this point that this was his xbox um, but you know, it's, I, I, it's very likely. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. It you know it it all adds up. Um, and uh, y- you know, I I in, in a way I feel kind of happy to know that you know maybe this kid has passed on and is no longer with us, but his Xbox you know lives on in a collector's collection and will be treated well. And yeah. you know, you still it's have not it? like a, I do so. Uh, I, I take it home and it's like I said it's it's quite like dirty um, so I, I gave it kind of a, a once over with a wet cloth and, and kind of cleaned up all the, the dirt and dust and grime that was on it yeah um, peeled off the masking tape and such um, and uh, I didn't have time that day for whatever reason to plug it in and test it um, but I did uh, want to pop the disk drive open to see if there was any games in it and so uh, I didn't plug it in, but I, you know, you do the little paperclip thing where there's a little ejection hole, you know, you put the paperclip yeah. in and it pops the disk drive open. Um, and uh, yeah, I did that and out comes a DVD. Uh, and the DVD is for a movie that I was not familiar with, but it is a movie called The Craft, which I looked up and it is a movie about witchcraft. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, which apparently has like quite a cult following uh, now. I think it was maybe a 90s, early 2000s movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, you know, I'm staring at this dead kid's Xbox, which just ejected a film about witchcraft onto my desk. Uh, and just really just feeling very not great about the <laughs> yeah. whole situation. 
So I do still have the Xbox. Uh, it's on my shelf with all my other consoles. I have not ever turned it on. <laughs> Are you afraid that like the ghost of Noah will inhabit your room from then <laughs> from then on? I don't know, dude. I don't know. I just <laughs> feel very uneasy about it. Well, like and... that's the, I, I kind of agree with you because I mean, like, I go to estate sales all the time, and like to be very blunt about it, I buy video games from dead people a lot. <laughs> You know, somebody passes away and their family sells all their shit. So there yeah. I am buying their video games. But it's it hits different when it's a kid or an adolescent, you know? Yeah. And I I don't know. Like, I'm not somebody who, like, believes in ghosts, I don't think. Uh, I'm not somebody who's mm. superstitious, uh, you know. But there's just something. No, I'm that's... not either. It, there's just, like, this air of, like, creepiness around it, though, that it's, like... Especially in this case, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. There, I, I will turn it on at some point. I feel like, in a way, I'm doing a disservice by not playing it. You know, by not actually using it. I feel like I probably should. Um, I don't know. Let me know. Like maybe, maybe it's something that I'll live stream. You know, I'll hop on Twitch and I'll hook up the Xbox and. I don't, like go through the save data or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe eventually there will be a um, an Xbox title that you're like, I really want to play this, but it turns out it's not backwards compatible on any. Oh, and of I, the, I have to play it on the of Xbox. the other. Yeah. yeah, so you have to. I'll yeah. be around for that. <laughs> I, I think maybe what we'll do, we, we can plan for like a Halloween stream, and, and I'll Ooh, it'll be the be first cool. the first time I turn on the. Uh, potentially haunted xbox yeah because that is something i'd actually like to do at some point is to do like super fx streams and like videos too yeah yeah i think so, that'd be a lot of oh, fun that would be that would be hella fun did you say hella in 2021 is that allowed you certainly can especially when you're talking about haunted xboxes i guess that's true but yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh i yeah. think we're over time so we should probably wrap up yeah uh with that uh, haunted Xbox story, stay tuned uh, for the Super FX stream, uh, which we've <laughs> uh, evidently just uh, created and announced at this time. Um, it's it's going to happen. Yeah, this October, <laughs> be there. Uh, that'll do it for our show. Uh, to learn more about Super FX, you can visit our website. It's superfxpodcast.com. Uh, you can find our show wherever you find your other favorite podcasts, including Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Uh, you can also follow us out. Uh, follow us out. You can check us out on social media, <laughs> uh, including Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at SuperFXPodcast. Uh, we love to hear from you, so reach out with any co- uh, comments or questions uh, on social media or by sending us an email, hi at SuperFXPodcast.com. That's H-I at SuperFXPodcast.com. Uh, if you like what you're what we're doing and you'd like to support us, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash superfxpodcast. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, consider liking, subscribing, and leaving a comment. Uh, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, help us out by rating and reviewing our show. Uh, our special thanks to Kenny Martin for uh, our theme song. You can find him at Kenma, that's K-E-N-M-A dot bandcamp dot com. Check out the rest of his work. It's really cool stuff. Uh, And a special thanks to you. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. Later, baiters. Bye.